It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome into another episode of On the Clock. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield, and today we are joined by a very special guest. Please welcome to the show, Matt Harmon. Matt, how are you? Brett, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, it's a great time to be on the podcast. April 3rd here uh, is the, well, earlier than ever this year, dropping uh, rookie prospects onto the Reception Perception website. So um, we're going to be rolling out a bunch of guys this week, starting with most of the heavy hitters here today. Um, so it's a great time to, to be on the show. It's a great time to finally uh, have these rookie takes, uh, you know, ready to go because I- I'm pretty different when it comes to like looking at the draft where I'm not doing I'm definitely do- not doing this all year and then once it kind of comes out of the free agency wave that's when I really start diving into um, these rookies as much as possible so very fresh in the brain and ready to talk about the these prospects with you heck yeah and before we dive in let's take care of a little business for the listeners you can find Matt on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB he is the creator of reception perception and he is a writer and analyst for Yahoo Sports as well Awesome to have you. Very excited. So, Matt, you kind of come at these prospects, I, I would say, similarly to the way I do, coming from a, a data background where you you spend a lot of time charting these guys on a route-for-route route basis, eh? Yeah, exactly. And, I, I mean, you'll probably feel the same way about this since you approached the, the game the same way. You know, back when I started wanting to – you know, make my way in the football space. Um, n- number one, I knew uh, I needed to stand out, right? I mean, this was back in like 2013. The space was crowded then. It's even more crowded now. I, I can't imagine trying to trying to jump in at this point. Um, but, you know, really for me, it was trying to come up with a process that was a repeatable year over year, not just for my own sake, but also for um, the ability to analyze guys, you know, not just compared to other players in the league, but also year over year. You know, um, I've been doing this now full season for NFL tracking uh, with reception perception um, since 2014 is when I've had full league wide data. So there's guys, especially from that 2014 class that like I've tracked their entire career, you know, Brandon cooks from uh, the saints all the way now to, to, to with the Cowboys this, this next year, he'll, he'll be in the RP database. So that's a great thing, but also just as a person watching the games, you know, because I think that the only way you, especially with receivers that you can really learn about who they are as players is trying to isolate them from surrounding variables and, and really dialing in on who they are as players on film and, and watching them. It's also just good to keep yourself accountable because actually tracking everything that you see and every, you know, everywhere that they line up, every way that they win, I think it's just a great way to understand players. So yeah, it's, for me, I think it's the only way to really approach the receiver position, especially because it's just such a complicated and nuanced position. Yeah. Anytime you're getting into charting, it's you have the inherent obstacle of what is subjective and what is objective. And even mm-hmm. in your subjective type stuff, you have to create standards for what your product is that, you know, there's certain thresholds or barriers you have to hit to, you know, I guess, score a certain way or get considered a win on a certain play. And so I'm sure you've developed, spent a lot of time developing all that. How, and that helps with the, uh, the staying true to yourself and staying true to your process. Can you tell us a little bit about your process? Like what, what it goes in? I know you're charting routes and then you're charting like a win loss type situation. Do you have a plus minus system like NFL teams use or, or can you kind of break that down for us? Yeah. And for me, it is, um, 
also being okay with the subjectivity uh, because like you said, you're never going to escape the fact that there are some things that are objective and there are some things that are subjective. Um, Like when I'm watching a receiver, it's objectively true where they line up on the field. You know, are they on the line of scrimmage? Are they off the line of scrimmage? Are they slot wide, left, right, in the backfield in motion? Uh, You know, all of those things are, that's objectively true. Um, but then when you get into watching routes and, and separation, like I think it, I think it's a know it when you see it type of thing. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's all that great to say like, all right, you know, by two steps, three steps, four steps, like, or something like that. I think for me, it's just, it's a binary win loss thing uh, in my mind. And I think that the good part about, you know, and this is just different things that different people do for me, like a reception perception, every data point you see on the site has been charted by me. Like it's all my work. So um, if you, and that, and that's like totally okay. If you disagree with my evaluation on players, because I'm not always going to be right. And I'm not going to view everything the same way that everybody else does. So um, yeah, what I'm doing over an eight game sample uh, for NFL players and for college players, you know, when I have eight games worth of film to look at for college players, because that's a, a totally different beast than, than NFL film being available. Um, I'm charting every single route that they run over that eight game sample where they line up on every single play in that sample. So, you know, reception perception is trying to basically, like you said, trying to evaluate routes and and really trying to quantify the ability to get open and run routes. So how often do they go get open against press, man, zone coverage? How often do they they win uh, on each individual route type? Uh, Again, do I think it's mostly a win loss binary type of thing. And, for me, I think, too, when you're looking at these players year over year, it's it's so interesting, too, when you get from the NFL game to the college game. Um, it's just so it's so different um, going from watching it, it really. And I was just tweeting about this last night, and, and this is such a small, tiny detail of it. But, you know, I've been doing a lot of work on Jaden Reed lately. He's going to be one of the profiles that we put up on the site. And my God, if. he is not constantly running slant routes into the middle of the field. And like that umpire is right there, you know, the, 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 which isn't that way. It's not that way in the NFL. I mean, the ump being in, in the defense on the defensive side, instead of the offensive side, I know this sounds like such a small, stupid detail, but it's like that guy messes up at least like one play per game. It feels like so the difference. And then there's obviously getting to the hash differences. Some of the schematic differences, the route concepts are different. The route combinations are different. Um, it's just a fascinating sport to, to, to track between the two, between NFL and college. But yeah, for the actual process of it, it really hasn't changed much. Uh, the reception perception charting process, like the actual sheet I use is still the same since 2014 um, and everything like that. So I'm really trying to, again, keep those baselines pretty similar so that you can compare guys draft class over draft class year over year in the NFL. Um, keeping that consistent has been a big, um, big important thing for me uh, over the course of RP history. That's awesome. So when you're when you're taking a look like in a, a big picture look of a draft class at wide receiver, do you kind of start to put players into buckets based on like what you project their archetype to be? So like, hey, this is probably a slot only type guy or hey, this is a, a traditional X receiver. You know, he's going to live in the archetype and do the the standards for how you view them change based on those archetypes. Yeah, 100 percent. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think this is something that I learned probably in year three or four of working on reception perception, uh, that everything has to start with alignment. And you would think that that's like inherently 
obvious, but even just think about 2013 or 14 when I started coming up with this process and working on it, the game was the NFL game was very different now than it is then. And I know that sounds crazy because it wasn't that long ago, you know, it was like within this decade, but the amount of players, um, I think I always come back to a guy like Cooper cup who has such a unique singular role at the wide receiver position. It feels like I'm convinced that if like Cooper cup came into the league, you know, 10, 15 years ago, some, and he maybe, maybe not even, maybe even like within the, the time he actually came in the league, there would have been some coach that looked at him as like a rather big body dude and been like, all right, let's put him out as our X receiver position. And like, there's no way he'd be the player that he is right now if he was playing at that position for a full-time basis. So, and I, I always say this too, Brett, it's, um, not to be too dorky about it, but like my original career path was supposed to be in like academics, which I just totally blew that off to go pursue writing about football. And luckily that worked out. Um, but if you were really doing like a, a charting process like this um, and like something with reception perception in like an academic sense, you'd want to have like four years, five years of data banked before actually presenting it to the public. But that's not really how the content game works. So I always thought around like 2017 ish was when I started kind of really using alignment and deployment and player archetypes to talk about each individual player. So that for certain guys that are going to be slot only players, if they're better zone beaters and man beaters, that's totally okay. Like there's no point in comparing a guy like a Juju Smith-Schuster to an Antonio Brown, because those guys used to play together, but they basically might as well have been playing like two different positions. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's important. And I always try to frame it. Um, I think for for consumers, it can be easier to frame it by actual specific player examples too. So like when I'm talking about like the big perimeter X receivers who don't necessarily separate that well, I always like to call that like the Devontae Parker access of, of players because <laughs> I think he fits like perfectly into that bucket. So, and then, you know, if you want to talk like further along that same axis of players, you know, and you, you are a big physical X receiver and you win jump balls, but you are actually a pretty decent separator. Maybe that's like you're further along to that, like T Higgins access of the archetype, you know? So yeah, Mike, obviously Mike Evans is, is the premier example of that right. player. So yeah, I, I love to kind of put players into that bucket. And I think with this draft class, it's super important to do that for sure. And I get asked all the time, like, that's why kind of when you stack a draft board up and you just look at it vertically, it like, it makes you take hardline stances that you wouldn't necessarily take. So when someone's like, Hey, you know, JSN or Quinton Johnson, I'm like, I don't know who's the team drafting him. It kind of depends. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, w what do they need and, and how do they typically deploy the receivers? Do they have defined roles in their offense? Like, so it, it really depends for me. So um, good stuff, man. Let's jump into some of the prospects. What is, how is your uh, board kind of shaken out right now? Who are, I, most people seem to like the same five guys at the top. I think everybody's <laughs> like and almost everybody even views them similarly. It's more or less how much you're willing to bet on the traits versus the deficiencies and, and kind of how you, I guess, sort them out. But um, I'm assuming you have what some combination of Quinton Johnston, JSN, Addison flowers is your top four. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I agree that everybody sort of looks at it as those guys are kind of the dudes and, and I, I, I do as well. And, and then I think it gets interesting though, because yeah. I think this year more than ever, it's going to be an eye of the beholder draft. It's going to be a, what do you like? What does the, what are the traits you value um, try type of draft? And, and also, yeah, like you said, what does the team need? Uh, that's an important thing as well. And it almost does kind of make 
doesn't make a lot of sense to really stack a guy like Quinton Johnson versus a Zay Flowers because I think they're so different. I mean, even just if they stood next to each other, right, and you looked at them, they'd they'd look different based on size and yeah. and, and 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 physical dimensions and all that. But it's definitely true uh, the way they play the game. But this is the content game. It's what we have to do. I do think though, Jackson Smith and Jigba to me kind of stands at the top and he stands a little bit alone. I think one thing that's a helpful exercise to do generally um, is to stack receivers against the last few classes. And I think also if whatever position is probably important to do that because it really helps you sort of, um, and, and not like be too biased by how they went, uh, how they turned out in the NFL. You know, I think that can also um, trip you up a little bit. So that's something I'm working on for reception perception right now is to release a, like stacked prospect board for the last three, the last three draft classes. Cause those are the three that are on the site right now. I think that helps you frame whether you view this as a strong week, whatever draft class, but yeah, Jackson Smith, the jig to me, I think stands in a tier on his own as like a clear cut best in the class guy to me, because he's so good as that slot receiver. Uh, we know that, but also I think he does show, some of the traits and ability to be like a not slot only player. I think like his success rate versus man coverage and reception perception would have ranked second in the draft class last year, uh, the, the 2022 draft class. So just behind his teammate, Chris Olave actually, and then right ahead of a guy like Drake London uh, and uh, Garrett Wilson as well. A couple other guys are in the mix there too, but I think that ability to beat man coverage, even if it is beaten man coverage in the slot, I think you can translate that a little bit to the outside. So to me, he's the one guy that, I do think stands there by himself. And then I could start to hear arguments about who's two, who's three, who's four, who's five. Um, but it does kind of come down to those, those, those players you mentioned. Yeah. JSN for me, I think a lot of people might be falling into the Justin Jefferson trap with him. I totally agree. Jefferson played next to Jamar chase and Terrace Marshall. He was the, I guess I want to say the smallest of the bunch, but least physical, I would say. So yeah, just naturally he kind of that's just where he fit for that year. You know, he played on the outside the year before that. JSN's in a similar boat where he played next to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams was even on that team at, when he was a freshman. And yeah. It's like somebody had to play in the slot and you're the you're the young guy of the crew. So it's gonna be you, you know. Like I don't I don't necessarily think that means he's a slot only guy and he has all the physical traits to win on the outside. So I, I think people are confusing themselves a little bit when evaluating him just based on you know kind of how Ohio State used him I really think if he played the whole year this year maybe things would have turned out a little differently I think maybe they get him on the outside a little bit more yeah and these guys all love to play inside like um I've talked to actually pretty much everybody we just mentioned here Justin Jefferson uh Chris Olave Garrett Wilson I haven't talked actually not Jackson Smith the Jigba but those three specifically like even a guy like CD lamb, right. He will tell you my favorite position is to play in the slot. I love to play in the slot because I get to be um, on the same page as my quarterback. I get to read coverages a little bit more like a quarterback. Um, that ability is, is helpful, but also like these guys love to get lined up against nickel corners, sometimes against linebackers, against safeties. Like, you know, Garrett Wilson's like nothing. I think he told me when we talked one time, like, Nothing is better to me than to be able to run a deep post uh, in the slot, right? And just rip between the two safeties, you know, something like that. These guys love playing in the slot. So it's not even necessarily like a – I don't know why it would be a pejorative thing at this point anymore because of the Justin Jefferson example is a great one. But also like we talked about Cooper Cup too. The guy led the NFL in catches, yards, and touchdowns two damn years ago while playing in the slot. Like it can be a huge advantage to play in there. But also, yeah, I think – 
you you don't want to you don't want to draft a guy with like a top 15 pick and necessarily have him be like a, a slot only type of guy. I don't think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a slot only type of player, even if he's a 60 40 slot type of guy or like a 50 50 like a Keenan Allen. I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, the, the most deployed coverage shell at the college level by far is quarters. And, <laughs> and you get a, a slot receiver with a two way go against a safety after like a slot corner or a linebacker barely carries his vert. He's going to win that every time. Shoot, Tutu Atwell and Wandell Robinson literally got drafted yeah. alone, beating <laughs> yeah. quarters on two way goes. So, oh, uh, so I'm on a bunch of reps like that in college too, where he's just crushing a safety from on a double move from from the slot, you know. So, yeah, I do think that's a great, important distinction there. After JSN, you know, Quinton Johnston, Addison, Flowers, how are they kind of stacking up for you right now? Yeah, I think that um, Addison and Zay Flowers have, have really been two that I've kind of gone back and forth on a lot uh, because I think they're probably similar archetypes, although I think that Zay Flowers gives you the cool thing about Zay Flowers is you really got to see him play everywhere at Boston yep. College. Like you got to see him play flanker, you got to see him play slot, you got to see him play X receiver. Um, and he's a smaller guy. And I don't know about you, Brett. I think it's like if you compare somebody to Antonio Brown, like you should have to at least do a 30 day jail sentence because <laughs> the guy <laughs> the guy was so good in his prime. I think we forget how good uh, Antonio Brown was uh, in those prime years because of the way the last few, speaking of like 30 day jail sentence, the way the last few years have gone for Antonio Brown. But um, he, you know, he, he's definitely a guy that at that size was able to play X receiver and play at higher than at a higher level than basically anybody else in the NFL in his peak. Um, I know that Zay flowers get some of those Antonio Brown comparisons. And I think that's probably why, but you know, he's, I, I do think in terms of guys that c could be smaller and could hack it out there at that X receiver position because of his ability to win off the line of scrimmage and win against press man coverage down the field, I, I do think he could be that type of player. And I think he has a little bit more of those traits than Jordan Addison, who I think I struggle with a little bit when he when he's lined up as a perimeter receiver with his frame. I think he struggles to get on top of guys when when they're able to be physical and press with him, press him. So he kind of might in terms of like stacking the last few years together he fits more in that like Jahan Dotson bucket which by the way is not a is not a bad thing I loved Jahan Dotson last year but he's just not the prototypical guy that you could probably play on the outside and, and have him you know go against press coverage all the time Dotson's crazy because he's such a freak contested catch player at that size I don't know if Addison is, is quite that way but um, those two guys I think I, I flip-flopped a lot but I think I've settled on maybe being just a touch higher on flowers than Addison, but they're pretty similar in terms of where they, where they stack up. Yeah. Flowers is uh really interesting because you don't see a guy that small, get all the work he got on the outside and, you know, kind of deployed as the, really, he was the weapon in that, the only, the only weapon in that offense, you know, he, everything kind of ran through him. So I kind of, people don't think he's going to hold up at the catch point in the NFL. I, I don't know that that's true. What do you, <laughs> What do you think, Matt? I mean, I, recent we have recent examples of smaller guys doing this at a high. I mean, you mentioned Antonio Brown, and I don't want a thirty-day jail sentence, so I won't won't comp him <laughs> there. But like Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase, yeah. these are big guys, but they're phenomenal at the catch point. I think Flowers can can still maintain that a little bit. Yeah, I love that you brought up Jamar Chase because um, he is such a dominant fifty-fifty ball receiver. Um, any sort of uh, any sort of you know like aggressive. Um, 
any sort of aggressive downfield catch, he's going to make it. And I think that leads people to forget the fact that he's like six foot and just over 200 pounds, you know, um, and I, I, I really struggle. I don't know about you, Brett, but I really struggle with like wide receiver size stereotypes. Like it's something that, um, really like it grinds my gears a little bit, not to sound like I'm a hundred years old, but, uh, (laughs) like get off my lawn, the whole get off my lawn thing. But yeah, man, I, I, I think that these guys, like, I, I just don't think there's that much correlation, uh, between, your size and your ability to win at the catch point, your ability to win in a contested catch game. Obviously a bigger frame helps you get off target passes and stuff like that. But man, I, I think these smaller guys can absolutely hold up. And I think that Zay flowers, you know, that's the thing that uh, is tough about flowers because he does have issues with drops and he'll clap at the ball sometimes, but then he'll go up and he'll make a, a great play with a guy draped all over him. Um, you see it might my, my player comp for him uh it's it sort of to avoid the 30-day jail sentence but to almost talk about the antonio brown thing i ended up comping him to deontay johnson who has basically been like the the low-grade version the diet coke version of antonio brown in their offense um and i'm a i'm a huge fan of deontay johnson his ability to separate and get open but he's like a mistake prone player yes. uh, nobody would argue that um i don't think that he zay flowers has the same frustrating tendencies in the open field that Deontay Johnson has, but like <laughs> to, to say the least, he's actually plays with so much aggression and fire and passion that I think that's another reason why he gets those AB comps as uh, Zay flowers does, but he's a, he can make mistakes sometimes, but also make a fantastic catch, which you also see with Deontay Johnson as well. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how Zay flowers put on 13 pounds in like a month and a half. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you're not is the question, you know, <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right, Matt, that, that was awesome. Before we let you go, can you throw a couple day two-ish players that you that you think you're pretty high on? Yeah, so since we're uh, talking about small receiver stereotypes, man, I, I, I'm curious what you think about Josh Downs. Uh, I really love the player. Uh, you know, he, he might end up being in the Sterling Shepard bucket, um, and uh, any longtime reception perception fans know that I, I love Sterling Shepard. I've always been such a fan of his. And I'm like convinced that he would have been a great, great player. And I th- I, he's a good player. Everybody knows that. But I think he would have been like a great player if he had not gotten run into all these injury problems. Um, I love Downs. He has like he actually has my highest contested catch rate in the game sampled for reception perception. Like he's such a dog uh, with 50-50 balls. And he, he, despite the size, he will go up and get it. He'll 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 win passes at every angle with guys draped all over him. Um, I'm a big fan of him and he's, I mean, at that weight, at that size, he's probably a, he's probably a slot only player. Um, but man, he really shows the ability to win against man coverage. He's got all the tricks, all the deceptive head fakes and stuff like that to win one-on-one isolation battles. And I love the idea of those like smaller slot, great route runners in the red zone as well. That's a, it's a key. He could pile up like eight touchdowns a season or something like that working in that way. I've seen others kind of call him like a Randall Cobb type player. And I, Randall Cobb obviously was that type of guy in his peak years with the Packers as well. So yeah. I'm a big fan of Josh Downs. Like, and I knew within like one game that I was going to love that player. Cause that's just like my type of dude. Yeah. He was a guy when I watched him, I think I liked his tape more than, so I use a numeric scoring system to score all the mm-hmm. prospects. It's like a weighted score with like a film grade, a production grade, athleticism grade, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. I liked Downs' tape more than his score reflects that I did. So I think he's like wide yeah. receiver seven or eight for me. But I, I think one thing that's killing him in my system is I do see him as a slot only guy. We have like no 
reps on tape of him winning on the outside, which is yeah. or just very few at least. Um, I love that he plays with reckless abandon. I actually mm-hmm. had Ray GQ. I don't know if you know that is. Yep. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah, he came on the pod last week and talked Downs. He thinks Downs is uh, slot only, and his play style makes him nervous because mm. that dude throws his body around. Like his yeah. his reel of highlight catches where he just does not give a crap what happens to him is insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Full, running full speed, just supermaning across the field, or he'd just go up knowing he's going to take a shot. He's got just a ton of plays like that. So I I love that mentality. I think that's going to serve him well in the NFL. I think a lot of coaches will be endeared to him because of that as well. And when you when you are a smaller guy, you need to play with that, that level of toughness. Now, I think maybe he needs to get a little smarter in that regard and, and take a few less hits so he can stay on the field because that's one thing um, in my my scouting profile on him is he left just about every game with some type of nagging injury, you know, some type of bump or bruise. And, you know, those 10, 15 plays he's off the field, that's 10, 15 plays your offense has to survive without you. So um, mm. I, I would like to see him get a little bit smarter. But I, I do love his game, though. I think he's, yeah. I think he's a tremendous player, so. Yeah, the Sterling Shepard comp uh, comes back even harder there in that case if he's going to get constantly nicked up. But yeah, there's uh, Downs is definitely an, uh, a, a great one. I think other guys that are on day two that are um, in the sort of bigger archetype because we have so many small receivers in this class. Yeah. I do like Cedric Tillman. Um, I, I think he shows you a lot of ability to win as a vertical X receiver. We talked about that Devonte Parker access. Um, I think he could get a little further along that because he's a good zone coverage beater um, and, and he does sh- – flash some ability to to win it's just such a limited route tree that tennessee offense is is yeah. is so fake news uh that that offense but um yeah he shows some great ball winning ability and then sort of the inverse of that too i think a guy who could be a better pro player than a, or than a college player because i think he could hack it in a, in a in a certain role i think jonathan mingo could fit into uh i think mingo could be like I think it's going to be interesting for for folks who go you know look at his reception perception profile how similar his success rates are to Amon Ross St. Brown and you know St. Brown in the games I sampled back at USC he was like a seventy percent outside player but throughout his profile I'm like this guy is going to be so much better if he's a slot so much better if he's a power slot that's the role he has to play and I I've, I called him Bud like Cooper Cup since like he was back at USC and he's been kind of like the next version of that power slot archetype and i think mingo if he played in that type of role that's the same thing his his tape just screams out to me like get this guy in the slot power slot type of thing i think he would be great at that yeah i i freaking love john mingo i when i saw him at the senior bowl i was blown away i hadn't done Mm -hmm. my formal write-up on him yet i was like who who the heck is this guy like i i did a preliminary watching everyone down there but i didn't didn't dive in enough to see necessarily what we saw soon as I got home, I was like, this is the first guy I'm watching, man. And I, I crammed yeah, his nice. did all, all of his games at once. He he has some Amon Ra to him. He's also got a little Debo to him. And I know everyone's chasing the next Debo. And yeah. I don't want to like be cliche or anything. But his ability in the open field is ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I think he's a guy who's going to get drafted way higher than people think he is. Um, I've seen a lot of mocks, Matt, with him like in the fourth or fifth round. I think this yeah, is a guy that's going – end of round two early round three I, he's just so good and his frame is so attractive too he's like 6 215 plays super tough um real real good short area quickness like phenomenal short area quickness so yeah i, I love that call and he is a bigger guy this is a, a draft with a ton of tiny guys 
So Cedric Tillman, John Mingo, A.T. Perry is another guy that I like, although he's pretty skinny as well, but he's at least long. <laughs> um, I, I like all these guys a lot. Michael Wilson, have you watched him yet? I, I'm just trying to dig up like one more game of him to get a to get a good sample uh, for RP, but I think he's going to end up making like my um, my rookie roundup or post, which is what I'll do uh, for the guys that I don't get enough like film on to do a full profile uh kind of the this the slot but i haven't i haven't seen enough of him to to really give a good uh say but i know he was very impressive at the senior bowl as well yeah senior there's another guy who woke me up at the senior bowl and then as i dove into his tape i was you know he didn't play a lot because he dealt with crazy injuries but the tape you do get he's very impressive route runner for his size and and that frame is again like when you see him in person he's just rocked up man looks like mm. looks like an mma fighter just like completely jacked <laughs> so yeah the Mingo thing, I'm so glad you brought up Debo. Just even if it's like he's not going to be the next Debo Samuel, like these guys that play like the bully ball style, mm. those players are just so cool. Uh, it's so much fun, and I agree with you. I think he gets drafted higher than people think because I've seen some like athletic comparables to a guy like Chris Godwin. Um, and I loved I loved Godwin as well coming to the NFL. Um, I I think that teams should be trying to chase that power slot role, especially teams that want to run the ball well. No, Brett, nobody has liked my um. Nobody has liked my heel turn into like wide receiver blocking matters uh, this offseason, but a, a free agent class like highlighted by Alan Lazard will will do that to you. Um, but it, <laughs> um, I, I'm telling you, man, it matters a lot. And and like uh, a guy like John Mingo, I think does bring a little pop as a blocker as well. So I, I'm I'm glad you're a fan of his game as well because I can't wait to see where he gets drafted. And if a team has that like. Godwin, uh, St. Brown type of role available in their offense. I think that would be a really good fit for him. Heck yeah. All right, Matt, that is going to do it. Thank you so much for coming on the pod listeners. You can find him again at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Again, he, you can find his work at reception perception. He's also on Yahoo sports. Make sure to check him out. Thanks for listening. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.